So I was watching the X-Zone TV channel last night when I was abducted by aliens, and they kept repeating to me over and over again, Simultv.com, Simultv.com. What's Simultv.com? That's what I asked them. They had it written on the side of their UFO. How do you spell that? UFO. No, I mean Simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Right. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Interesting that you were abducted by aliens in a Simultv.com UFO last night. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Now that you mention it, I remember now last night, I was awakened from a deep sleep. My great-grandmother was standing there. She said she'd come from the hereafter to tell me about Simultv.com. She even spelled it out for me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, Sonny Boy. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, Sonny Boy. Wow. Yeah. Guys, you'll never guess what my psychic guru just told me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Exactly. Are you guys psychic too? Of course. We all know about Simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Roswell in the 21st century is a detailed re-examination of the Roswell UFO crash case. I have studied the evidence for more than 30 years, and I now put that evidence under a microscope in a cold case examination of the facts. These facts might not please everyone. They are based on my comprehensive investigation that took years to complete, but they do lead to the conclusion that whatever fell was not built on Earth. The best of Project Blue Book is based on the 22-year-long investigation conducted by the Air Force. But the book goes far beyond that, bringing in evidence that was uncovered long after Project Blue Book was ordered terminated. Using facts that were unavailable to the Air Force investigators, I was able to prove that the Air Force manipulated the data and drew unrealistic conclusions about the UFO sightings reported to them. My different perspective shows there was more to Project Blue Book than even the Air Force knew. Both books are available at Amazon.com. Join Patty Conklin and Healing Within Radio each week. More than entertainment, Healing Within offers educational, useful tools for everyday life. Listen for help overcoming fear, anxiety, and depression. Patty knows about eliminating cancer, MS, dementia, Parkinson's, and a host of illnesses that we face every day. Life can be good. Life is good. All you need are simple tools to start changing your life. Start right now by visiting pattyconklin.com, P-A-T-T-I-C-O-N-K-L-I-N. No matter where you are in the world, you can work with Patty through Skype, phone, or in person, visiting one of her retreats in Georgia. Visit pattyconklin.com today or call our offices at 404-474-0086. That's pattyconklin.com or call 404 404- Four seven four zero zero eight six. That's the emergency broadcast. This is a different perspective with Kevin Randall. Kevin is a retired United States Army Lieutenant Colonel who has studied UFOs for more than 50 years. His military training has provided him with unique insight into military operations and UFO research. Kevin has investigated many of the most mysterious cases and has been consulted for dozens of documentaries and been interviewed on hundreds of radio and television programs about UFOs. Considered to be one of the leading experts on the Roswell UFO crash, Kevin has written more than 25 books about UFOs including Roswell in the 21st Century and Encounter in the Desert, a re-examination of the Socorro UFO landing. Now here is the host of A Different Perspective, Kevin Randall. And 
welcome to this edition of A Different Perspective. I am indeed Kevin Randall, and before we start, I'm going to warn you all, I have had trouble speaking today. I do not know why. English is my native tongue. I just have trouble speaking it today for some reason. I'm joined today by Robert Schaefer, who tells me that he is a writer with a lifelong interest in astronomy and the question of life on other planets, as we all are. He is one of the leading skeptical investigators of UFOs and wrote the Psychic Vibrations column in the Skeptical Inquirer for almost 40 years. His book, Psychic Vibrations, reprints some of those columns. His most recent book is Bad UFOs come, that came out in 19, in 2016, which is also the name of his blog that cast, cast a skeptical eye on claims about UFOs. He is also the author of UFO Sightings, 1998, and has appeared on many radio and TV programs. His writings and reviews have appeared in such diverse publications as Omni, and for those of you who don't remember, that used to be sort of a science fiction, science fact magazine, Scientific America, Space Flight, Astronomy, The Humanist, Free Inquiry, Reason, and many others. He is also a founding director and past chairman of the Bay Area Skeptics, a local skeptics group in the San Francisco Bay Area, which made perfect sense to me. Uh, he lives, in San, he lives near San Diego, California. He has worked as a data communications engineer in the Silicon Valley. Well, that explains a lot. And sings in professional opera productions. His blog, as I said, is badufos.com. Robert Schaefer, welcome to A Different Perspective. Thank you, Kevin. We're glad to be here. I, I didn't botch that too badly, did I? No, you uh, got that right. I'm thinking how dated it all sounds, the publication that... People never even heard of, but hey, that used to be hot stuff, like you said. You know, <laughs> that was a big glossy magazine on the on the newsstands, and now it's uh, it's gone. Well, yeah, find a newsstand now. That's another. That's right. They're right on newsstands now. Oh. And it didn't translate to, I guess, the internet. Well, right. anyway, I I invited you on the program. I had Michael Shermer on several months ago, and uh, I wanted to ask him questions about about evidence, but we got off on Project Mogul, which is always a mistake. <laughs> and um, I think I was somewhat overbearing. Well, you, so you, uh, you not only understand, well, uh, you probably memorized all the launches and where they landed and what each document says, and nobody else knows that stuff. You know, I'd have to go and spend, you know, a couple days looking for it and just to, to reply to what you said, you know. I, I think the interesting thing is a lot of the guests I have on the program who've written UFO books, aren't aware that I know as much about the phenomenon as I do. And we sometimes get off on tangents there because they say something that I know is absolutely preposterous. And I try to try to follow it to the end. And he mentioned something about Project Mogul and was not aware of um, some of the facts. But before we, before we get into Project Mogul, and I'm sure we'll get there at some point, I, I wanted to talk to you about... Um, something I want to talk to him about, which was the nature of evidence. And we did some of that, but we didn't get into it too deeply. And I know that people have different thresholds of the evidence they'll accept as proving something or disproving something. And as a skeptic, I think your threshold is somewhat higher than those on the other side of the fence, the, tr the true believers. But is there, in today's environment, is there is there a case or a report that you find particularly intriguing, which is not necessarily uh, proof of alien visitation, but certainly is not easily explainable in terrestrial terms? No, I, I don't think anything is like that. I suppose you would have to say that the hottest uh, 
unexplained case so-called right now is the so-called Tic Tac UFO video that came through our good friends originally to the stars and Tom DeLonge. And then finally the Navy got around to releasing it several years after to the stars claimed that it had been released when of course it wasn't, it was just leaked. Um, Midwest has, uh, as you know, on Metapunk has, uh, done a, a lot of examination of that and people, you know, and there's a forum for discussing these things. This really, both of those, uh, the, the Tic Tac and the Gimbal UFO video appear to be distant jets. And if we knew exactly when, you know, what time and exactly where they were taken, we might even be able to figure out which jets, because apparently this, you know, flight-aware radar thing is uh, is uh, is quite good for uh, for doing that. So, no, I, I, I don't think that, you know, people say, well, it went from uh, 28,000 feet down to zero feet in two seconds or something, and therefore it traveled at this speed and it's impossible, and therefore it's alien or it's, you know, something spectacular. And no, they, you know, the pilot, uh, Fravor, was, was directed to a spot in the ocean oh, at 28,000 feet. They said, when you get to this spot, that's where the UFO is at 28,000 feet. Looks around, he doesn't see anything. Then you start looking around. Well, it must be a UFO here somewhere. Then starts looking down at the ground and right at the water. Well, well, what does he see? He sees a shape. Could have been a lot of things. Could have, could have, could have been a submarine. Could have been a, a balloon below him or whatever. But the point is, it, it's a different object. People, you know, jump to the conclusion. Well, it went from here to here in zero seconds. No, it didn't. It, you, he tried. It, there was nothing in point A. So you look around. There's something in point B. Not necessarily the same object. Probably not the same object. So that's why I'm saying, you know, I no, there really isn't any evidence uh, in this kind of thing. We just don't have enough to, to nail down any claims about it. Well, what about the Leveland case? We have witnesses at 13 separate locations reporting a similar object. It interacts with the environment. We have police officers involved, fire fire marshal involved, many civilians reporting the thing independently. Um, stalling car engines, causing the headlights to dim, the radios to fill yeah, the static. Yeah, I recall we, you, we, you brought this up the last time that I was on. And now since then, there was something very interesting that I saw. And I'll see if I can find it now. But uh, somebody did, a, did a, 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 a write-up on this, I think. I'm trying to remember if it was on UFO updates or where it was. But basically... Um, the story it doesn't seem to be quite uh, consistent, in other words, of, of who's reporting it. And the, the suggestion is that a couple of guys were hoaxing the calls. And now I, I, I should have, I suppose, looked this up in advance because obviously uh, I should have realized you were going to ask about that. And I'm trying to think of where that would be now. But, but uh, what evidence, what evidence did they present that a couple of guys were hoaxing I, the calls? I can't remember. It, it, oh, gosh. Look, I really can't. I don't well, know. It's yeah. All right, I can go and look at a few places, and if I'm well, lost, let me ask you. Let me ask you this. Let me let's stop the search. Let's 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 yeah. do it this way. After we discussed it last time, did you 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 looked at some more information about it? Did you come to uh, any conclusions? Did you reach anything other than this um, report that some of the guys were hoaxing the phone calls? Um. I didn't find, uh, you know, I, I mean, we, we talked about the Blue Book records and so on. I, I didn't do anything more on them. I don't have anything more on that. Uh, I guess I should take better, um, 
notes on this. I could get back to you because this doesn't work on a radio show. I could get back to you um, in a couple days with uh, the information, but I, I'm afraid you can't pull it up right. What I'm looking for here is, and, and this is the, what bothers me, and it bothers me from both sides of the, the coin, whether it's the skeptical side or the true believer side, is you mention a case and the belief structure of the person you're talking to seems to come into play and they, they reject all the evidence that suggests the other side of the coin. Um, the, the child's witted case comes to mind immediately. Those were the two airline pilots who saw the cigar shapes yeah. with the square windows. I am convinced, based on the evidence, based on reading the reports, that they saw a bowl light, very bright meteor. And we have evidence to support that conclusion based on the Zond 4 reentry in 1968, which was, a, I guess, a Soviet spacecraft reentering. And some people described what they saw and thought it was a UFO as a cigar-shaped craft with square windows and a flame out the back. So, uh, but, but some of my friends on the True Believer side just reject that completely and totally. They say, well, no, these were veteran pilots. And, and my, my concern is that we get so entrenched in our point of view and I would think on the skeptical side, uh, you should be more open to, uh, I guess, examining all points of view, whether it's supportive of your point of view or detracting from your point of view, where the true believers will just examine the one side. Isn't that kind of the way it should be? The skeptics should be be not only uh, skeptical of the sighting, but skeptical of the explanations if they don't fit the facts? Well, of course, but uh, again, we have we're we're talking about Occam's razor, and you know, if somebody if somebody says you know something extraordinary is happening, then we shouldn't just accept it in the same as if somebody says something ordinary is happening. Now, okay, I found a little bit here. The Iron Skeptic, this was this guy uh, Sakulik or something, raises the question of whether the four telephone witnesses even existed or were one guy spoofing. Okay, now I don't have anything more on this right now, but um, um, as I say, you're asking me a question that takes research, and I, I can't do this research in the time we have available for the, the I just I just assume that everybody knows as much about these cases as I do, and probably right. should. <laughs> yeah, well. It's really not fair. <laughs> well, let's, let's do this. We're going to have to take a quick break here. Uh, your blog... Or your website is badufos.com. Your latest book from 2016 is uh, Bad UFOs. <laughs> so, sort of like me and some of my uh, my names of stuff. Uh, my latest book is the best of Project Blue Book, um, available now. If you uh, want to thank those who purchased a copy of the book, and if you. Uh, if Are you looking for psychic services that empower as well as provide accurate information? Jenny is a third-generation psychic with extensive esoteric training. A practicing professional intuitive for over 30 years, her accuracy is astounding. While most psychics can read what will happen to you if you don't change directions, Jenny understands the future is subjective. While there is a river of time we all traverse, that river has many waves, eddies, currents, and tributaries from which to choose. With Gen E as your guide, you can explore the many possible outcomes in the river of time and navigate your course to the one of your liking. Take control of your future. Book your life-changing session with Jenny today at www.gen-e.net. That's www.gen-e.net.
Mission Evolution is dedicated to the well-being of the planet and animals, as well as the evolution of humankind. One major factor threatening all three is increasing toxicity. Heavy metals and other environmental toxins are poisoning our bodies, deteriorating our brains, blocking our spiritual connection, and shortening our lives. Yet these poisons are extremely difficult to remove. I'm Gwilda Wiecka, and I recently became aware of a product created from the marriage of nature and nanotechnology called Vitality. It's formulated from zoolite, whose crystalline structure binds toxins, gently carrying them out of the body. The light is only as clear as the window through which it shines. Clear your body, shine your light into the world. Visit VitalityHappens.com for a 20% discount. Enter code PATHHOME. In the mid-1990s, I was approached by a young woman who believed she'd been abducted by alien creatures. In conversations, I began a journey that took me not into the world of interstellar travel, but back through time into past lives. Under hypnotic regression administered by a professional rather than describing abduction, Jenny, as she is called, begins to tell a tale of horror in 19th century London. Her unbelievable past life seems to connect with Jack the Ripper and other monsters of the past. Throughout the session, Jenny provides a rich detail of her past life lives that links some of the most horrific killers in history to one another. Using the resources of a university library in the pre-internet's day, I was able to verify some of Jenny's claims. She has knowledge that wasn't readily available to a suburban housewife. Does this prove the reality of her tales? Conversations attempts to answer that and other provocative questions. Conversations is available at Amazon.com. with Robert Schaefer. We're talking bad UFOs. We're talking level land. We're talking all sorts of different things here. Um, I, and, and I want to uh, thank those of you who've purchased a copy of the best of Project Blue Book. It's been up and down on the Amazon scale. And if you've enjoyed the book, or even if you didn't enjoy it, please write a review because that helps get the word out. And what I tried to do in the book was provide the Blue Book documentation on the case and other information that we've learned since uh, the case was investigated by the Blue Book officers. Uh, when we went away, we were sort of uh, talking about the question of if there was a case or something that the skeptics would look at and say, well, it's unidentified, as opposed to making it uh, um, alien spacecraft. And, and Robert, you'd mentioned Occam's razor and the, the idea that the simplest solution is probably the best. Right, or the one that, or the, the um, entities shall not be um, was multiplied beyond necessity. In other words, if we can ex explain something two ways, uh, one with what we know already and objects we know already, and the other explanation involves objects that we don't know of already, like flying saucers or aliens or secret projects flying around doing amazing things that seem physically impossible, then we take the one that does not require us to multiply essences or entities. Take the one that it consists of things we already know about. It's only when you absolutely have shown that it cannot be handled by what we know now, then you bring in, you hypothesize other entities. Now, is, there a, is there a UFO case that you think of as unidentified that we have no good terrestrial explanation for, which doesn't necessarily mean it's extraterrestrial, but we don't, we don't know what it is. We don't, we can't really explain it in today's environment. It could be some bizarre natural phenomenon. It could be some guy in his private plane with his landing light on at three o'clock in the morning that the wind was blowing the wrong direction and the 
we have no good explanation for it. But is there any cases that you think of as unidentified? No, I mean, in the trivial sense, you know, the Tic Tac is unidentified, uh, but we have very good reason to think it was just a distant jet. And as I mentioned, Mick West and uh, Metabunk, he has some some images that uh, show like next to the Tic Tac and so on. And then here's a different photo of a distant you know, infrared video of a, of a distant jet. They're very similar. So, uh, you know, there's no reason to assume that there's something you know, unknown or metaphysical going on with that. So no, the answer is no. I don't I don't know of any such case. And I'm sure if there were such a case, we would have all heard about it. Well I would I would say on the Tic Tac case, and I'm I'm always a little bit worried about uh, gathering the data digitally as opposed to other ways of collecting data. That 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 sort of thing sometimes generates its own um, anomalous object or symbol on the on the displays and that sort of thing I'm always a little bit worried about that especially when we don't have all the evidence and all the all the video that's available so I, I you know I'm I've never been really happy with that the only thing that it suggested to me that it seemed to be a loosening of the um, embargo on UFO evidence meaning simply that they released or this was really leaked into the um, uh, public arena uh, and and it wasn't immediately trashed by uh, the, the mainstream media and everybody else, people stood back and took a look at it and said, well, this is interesting as opposed to, well, this is something else. But um, I, I think there's some good cases that deserve a scrutiny beyond uh, what's been done. That I, I, I see cases that I think of as unknown, uh, but I don't necessarily believe they're uh, extraterrestrial, and and that's kind of what I say about the uh, with the Roswell case in today's environment. Yeah, I lean toward the extraterrestrial. I freely admit it that I'm kind of predisposed to that. But if you look at the evidence for Roswell in a dispassionate way, you have to say, at least I have to say, it doesn't get us to the extraterrestrial. But we have no good solid terrestrial explanation either. Well. I, I, and we went over some of this um, Project Mogul stuff before, and I think we both realized that the documents that describe when the uh, the flights were launched are uh, somewhat contradictory and open to interpretation. Because, uh, as I recall, you found one uh, source that said one thing and another source said another thing about this flight in question. I mean, we're getting down into the nits and, and the nitty-gritty of, uh, uh, you know, uh, Somebody, you know, well, maybe you carry this the incredible amount of detail in your head. I think other people don't. But give me, you know, a little bit of time and, you know, we can dig this up. But the point is simply that, uh, you know, I, I, I don't see that the, that the mogul can be completely uh, ruled out here. And given that that's far more likely than something else. I mean, what Annie Jacobson said in her uh, the book about Area 51 that it was a, uh, it was a conspiracy between Stalin and Mengele, deformed children, and, uh, and, a, and they must have built something that looked like a saucer, and it crashed there. And the most amazing thing of all was this was done just, like, what, 10 days after Kenneth Arnold, you know, in the first sightings. And so this whole thing would have had to have been put together in 10 days by Stalin and Mengele, which is, which is great. The whole thing is crazy. But, you know, <laughs> I'm certainly not going to believe that either. But this leads me to my other question. 
Um, we have documentation that suggests flight number four, which was the, the mogul flight that supposedly was responsible for the debris. And, and I go to that explanation for the listeners who may not be as familiar with this as you and I, um, that, it, that, it, that it did not fly. There's no documentation it flew. It, it was said that it was canceled. And, and you suggest, well, there's interpretations of the documentation. No, but so there, the was, question, there was another entry that talked about it being, being released. Uh, but the question, the question is this: We have documentation that suggests um, there's no crash-recovered debris, and you accept those uh, documents as authentic right off the bat. And so the question becomes: Do you look at them from a skeptical light? Take, for example, the letter written by Nathan Twining, actually probably written by Howard McCoy for Twining's signature. On September, I think it's September 23rd, 1947, that begins with, you know, the phenomenon is something real and not fictitious or illusionary. And in the text of that letter, he says, the lack of crash recovered debris. Right. So the skeptical community says, well, this proves that there was no crash at Roswell because Twining and Howard McCoy would be the guys who would know it. That's accepted out without question. But there are interpretations that can be made to that document to kind of negate that that point of view. So now we're arguing about sure. interpretations. You could say that, well, they wrote that to, to uh, hide it from the public. Uh, no, I would no, what I would say, what I would say here, since you mentioned that, what I would say here is they were responding to a specific set of circumstances and sightings that were given to them for analysis. And in those sets of documents that they used, there was nothing about crash recovered debris. So it's not hiding something. It's that information was not supplied to them as they were doing their interpretation. And they added nothing to that interpretation, given the classification levels. So I say that document is can be interpreted as not really negating Roswell. Um, but that's but but the skeptical community accepts it sort of without question. Well, again, it's a question of outcomes raising. Which is more likely that this document, which says there was nothing recovered, is authentic, or that something was recovered of, a, of an unknown nature, either extraterrestrial or something really weird from the hollow earth or time travelers or some crazy thing like that, and that these guys didn't know that this happened or were lying about it? I mean, that's a lot more implausible than to simply say, what they say, what they are saying is, um, what they appear to be saying is exactly what they mean. I, I'm, I'm not phrasing my question properly. I'm, I'm sure that's the problem here. Um, what, what I'm trying to say is that that specific letter, there's other documents that, that make your point much stronger, but, but this particular one was based solely on the evidence that was presented to them. You know, it's kind of kind of like a debate, and and they're working within the classification system that was there, and they could not put uh, top secret material into something that would be that was classified only secret. That's a whole nother kettle of fish. Yeah. All I'm saying is here is they were responding to a specific set of circumstances that was given to them for analysis, and in that specific set of circumstances, we know the the sightings that it was drawn from. There was nothing about Roswell. Ergo, uh, it doesn't necessarily negate the possibility of Roswell. Well, but again, they talked about the, the they didn't, they're not talking about the absence of extraterrestrial evidence in this one particular set of cases they were given. They're talking about the general lack of any 
solid evidence, including more than just what the cases they were looking at, and should presumably also include Roswell, since these guys were, you know, very high up the intelligence chain. But but you're adding things to the analysis that that aren't in in evidence, and isn't that kind of what you were arguing against with Occam's razor? Maybe I don't understand why you say I'm adding things. I'm saying that what they wrote appears to be appears to be correct, and and this is not you know, uh, misinformation or anything like that. They're just telling it the way they thought it to be. Well, let me let me interrupt you here because we're going to have to take a break. I wanted to mention that there are other fine programs about the paranormal on the X-Zone Broadcast Network at XZBN. So take a look at the listings at the X-Zone website, and I'm sure you're going to find something that will be of interest to you. Uh, my books, recent books, are Roswell in the 21st Century, um, Encounter in the Desert about the Socorro UFO landing, which I probably should bring that up with Robert as well. And uh, the latest is the best of Project Blue Book. Um, Robert's latest book is Bad UFOs, and his website is www.badufos.com. And there's information there um, from his point of view and, and arguments. And, and many of what he posts on his website I find intriguing and completely and totally acceptable. I think it's just little fine things that we disagree on. Uh, we will be back right after this with Robert Schaefer talking about the nature of evidence and bad UFOs. So please stick around. How would your life change if you could develop the business and personal skills that you need in order to make more money? Do you want to learn how to achieve your big life goals faster? Then go to findhiddenmoney.com and get the Goal For It online course. The course teaches you how you can set and achieve your biggest goals while completely overcoming the roadblocks to your goals so that you can realize your dreams and imagine more success. Go to findhiddenmoney.com. If you are looking for a safe, zero-calorie, natural option to the harmful artificial sweeteners on the market today, Just Like Sugar is what you're looking for. Just Like Sugar is a wonderful natural alternative for those health-conscious people who choose a calorie-restricted diet with a great, pure, sweet flavor that tastes just like sugar. Just Like Sugar is a great natural option for people suffering from diabetes and may be useful in restricted diet programs where standard sugars are not allowed and does not cause a laxative effect of some other sweeteners. Just Like Sugar comprises a perfect blend of chicory root fiber, natural calcium, natural vitamin C, and Just Like Sugar's sweetness comes from the natural flavors from the peel of the orange. Just Like Sugar is a natural alternative to harmful artificial sweeteners and will change the way that you believe all natural sweetener products taste. Just Like Sugar is available at your local Whole Foods markets, Wild Oats markets, Henry's, Sun Harvest, and many other fine natural food stores in the U.S., Canada, and worldwide audience if you have seen a ufo had a close encounter seen a ghost bigfoot lake monster or a story that you would like to share or have investigated contact me rob mcconnell by sending me your email to xzone at xzoneradiotv.com or you can call toll free 1-800-610-7035 extension 143 and on skype xzone radio tv 
For more information on the Exxon Radio TV show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, visit www.exxonradiotv.com or www.exxonetvchannel.com or simultv.com and xzbn.net. Until next we meet here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Always remember Exxon Nation. Keep your eyes to the sky and your heart in the light. Memorable dynamic presentations are a not-so-secret weapon in the business world. Do you have a powerful message that must be shared, but you haven't found a way to deliver that message? Do you want to be known as a top public speaker who gets amazing results? Are you ready to create and deliver your powerful message? Thomas Hides can help you create and deliver your speech to get the results you desire. Visit IconQuality.com. I am here with Robert Schaefer, attempting to talk about the nature of evidence. I think that I've allowed the conversation to drift away from where I wanted to go in the beginning. So let me ask you this uh, question. What do you need to uh, suggest that UFOs may be extraterrestrial? What kind of evidence would you like to see? I think it could happen very quickly and very easily if somebody's claims that we keep hearing are true. Uh, for example, we often see a, a UFO reportedly goes over a big city and a lot of people report it. But um, nowadays, everyone is carrying a cell phone everywhere. And I would think that in these cases, you would have not just one person or a few, but you would have dozens of people, hundreds of people, all photographing the same thing at pretty much the same time from pretty much the same place. And so if something like that existed in terms of evidence, it would be everywhere, and nobody could possibly deny it. That wouldn't prove what it was, uh, but at least it would, would settle the question that something unusual is really up there as opposed to just a, you know, a misidentification of an airplane or a balloon or something. Uh, and as far as you know, whether it's extraterrestrial, well, we keep hearing about close encounters of, out in the, you know, at night or someplace like that. Well... What, uh, you know, if somebody or even a few people could just get a really good close-up video or photo of, you know, a supposedly landed UFO so that we, the rest of us could see what Travis Walton or Billy Meyer or whoever <laughs> who claims to, to see them up close could see. No, it's, it's it, you know, it, it, it's been a long time since we've been discussing the so-called a shyness effect or a jealous phenomenon of it, it shows itself only very suspiciously, you know, to a few people here and there, not like objects in the real world. If a meteor goes over, everybody sees it. If a UFO goes over, well, maybe some people see it, maybe some people don't. So, uh, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it's it's just not, there are certain properties that objects in, in the real world have, and that's that they are pretty, they're visible, if they're visible at all, then they're visible to everybody. And uh, that just isn't happening. We just don't have that kind of evidence. There's always something wrong with the with the accounts. It just leaves it just short of evidence that we would expect from a real object. Well, I would say two things. Number one, the, the, the problem with the cell phone analogy is the fact nobody's looking up. They're all looking at their damn cell phone. <laughs> 
Well, but, I, I don't know how likely that but, is. But, 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 this, right. but this leads to the important question, which is you would accept that sort of evidence, meaning you don't have to have a craft and a body. You would accept this, the, the, the film evidence. You would, you would see that as... Multiply redundant and not by people who came out together, you know, not like people who all came on a bus on, on an outing and they all took pictures of it and then get back in the bus talking about something that was just it was anybody who was in the area saw it and photographed it. If it was multiple redundancy of, of reporting, then then I don't question that at all. You're saying multiple independent sources, right? And if there was a radar confirmation, that would just add to the evidence? Again, it's a question of how well the radar correlates with what people are saying. I mean, see, and this we see this again and again. We see this with Tic Tac. We see this with other reported radar cases. You know, somebody, somebody's looking at a radar scope. They say, I see something on a radar scope. Go out and see if you see something. Guy steps outside. He looks. He sees Venus. He says, oh, yeah, I see it. It's out there. See, I mean, that's not radar confirmation, but that's the kind of thing that appears to be happening when claims are made of radar confirmation. But what I'm saying is that there is a level of evidence you would accept that does not require the landing of a spacecraft. Right. And, and if the performance of the craft in the videos uh, is... Um, if it were, yes, if it were truly, you, if you could be analyzed and shown to be, well, it went from point A to point B, in short time and very high speed, okay, that'd be evidence. It's, but it's not somebody sees something at point A and then somebody else sees something else at point B and they say, well, it went from A to B in very short time. But no, if you have, you know, if you can show this happening, you can see it along the way, see it moving so that, you know, there's no, uh, you know, there's no speculation involved. Then, then that's something that, you know, has to be taken seriously. But that doesn't happen, or it hasn't happened. What I'm, but the, the thing you also seem to be suggesting here is that there is no alien visitation. Ergo, nothing that we have in the way of evidence today would be of sufficient quality to prove alien visitation, because it, it seems to be a circular argument to me. Um, and I may be missing something here. And I understand, I understand that, that the threshold of evidence is extremely high, and we need it to be extremely high. But it also seems that you might be suggesting that we reject some of the evidence simply because Occam's razor says no. Uh, the, a, a terrestrial explanation is obviously preferable to an extraterrestrial explanation, but that doesn't mean that if you've accounted for all the facts and you have no terrestrial explanation, that, that there must be one out there somewhere. Uh, no, I, I, I don't think that's what I'm saying. I, I'm not aware of any any cases that you know come even close to meeting the criteria that I have described before. Uh, I guess maybe we need to look at something more concrete. The famous Phoenix Lights, for example, which are really two separate incidents, and but it, they always conflate them. That's how you tell uh, a reporter who's doing a bad job or a ufologist who's uh, doing a bad job. They talk about one um, uh, of the incidents and they show a photo from the other. So, uh, but in this case, okay, everybody. So the, the the famous part, the second part of the. Um, Phoenix lights were flare drops from the, you know, uh, was the Barry Goldwater Range, the Air National Guard, Maryland Air National Guard, dropping flares, very widely seen. Um, 
and this was after 10 p.m. on the whichever night it was in 19, was it 97, I think, 1997. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so, I, you know, that we can explain. But some people, you know, it was widely seen. It was multiply independently seen. That's not a problem. But from the extraterrestrial standpoint, where there's a problem because we know where they came from. They were flares being dropped by the Maryland Air National Guard, who were uh, part of this, uh, um, what do they call that project? Um, uh, so, uh, Bob, uh, oh, Snowbird, I think it was. Was that it? Or, but anyway. No, I, I, well, it, it really doesn't matter because I know the Air National Guard and the National Guard actually do annual training at various bases around the country yes. for... Yes. to keep themselves yes. current. So the fact that they were there, there dropping flares, I think is beyond dispute. We all agree that the, the famous the famous films, the famous photographs are of, of the flares and you can see them disappearing behind the Australia mountains in, in Phoenix. Right. We all agree on that. Right. right. But now the first part, of course, was, uh, was seen widely, not quite as widely because uh, it wasn't probably as high in this time, but uh, you know, they say, well, it was flying triangle or whatever, whatever, but it was really five separate aircraft, probably A-10s flying in. They behaved exactly as an aircraft would if they were coming into Davis Mountain Air Force Base because they were part of this, uh, um, you know, the training effort. But people, again, are, are, are trying to make a big thing out of it and say, well, these were obviously extraterrestrial craft. They were whatever, you know, properties ascribed to them. So this, I mean, that's why I'm saying that these these are not cases like these are the best we have. I don't think anybody would say, well, that's, you know, it's an insignificant case of Phoenix Lights. That's one of the big, oh, my God, Phoenix Lights. And yet these are explainable, too. So, I mean, it's just if that's the best you got, where's your evidence? The um, I, I, with the with the triangle, the, the, the triangle seemed to have moved, I think. And I, I could be wrong on the direction. It seemed to have moved from near the uh, Arizona-Nevada border down uh, to the southeast, moving toward um, Tucson, Arizona. Yes, that's there correct. are some people. There are some people who got a good look at it, and it was not separate aircraft that they were referring to, but was in fact a triangular-shaped object. Well, I know there were aircraft flying formation in the area at the same time. Yeah, but. That was what the people reported. That was their interpretation of it. There was a video taken, and I can give you that information. I've got all this on my blog. If you, as a search box, just look for Phoenix Lights on my blog, and it, you know, it goes into. We, we know that there was a. Uh, uh, it was on uh, Terry Proctor, was the guy who took the, the photo, and this was from a Discovery Channel program, UFOs over Phoenix. And at the start of the video, you can see them in a particular uh, orientation. 10 seconds later, 20 seconds later, 43 seconds later, the planes are moving with respect to each other. So it's not a solid object. So again, if this is this is the best solid evidence that anyone has. Again, I don't doubt that the people who reported they thought it was a solid object. I'm sure that they thought that, but they were there. Apparently, this was not correct. Well, we've seen a lot of cases that have blown up in the in the uh, years, and Charles Witted again springs to mind the, the the great case of the cigar-shaped object with the square windows. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and and I, I like I said, I, Jerry Clark and I disagree on this. I think it I think it's explainable. He believes it 
is something more than than uh, just a bowline. We're going to take our last break here. I'm sitting here with Robert Shaver. I said we're we're social distancing. Yes. Me being in California and me not being in California. Yeah. yeah. Uh, his website is www.badufos.com. The book, which came out about four years ago, is Bad UFOs. Um, Mine, of course, is Roswell in the 21st century, because I think it gives a more dispassionate look at the Roswell case. And we've mentioned Mogul, and there's a big, long chapter about Mogul in that book, for those of you who are interested in getting into the minutiae of some of these things. Um, so we will be back right after this with Robert Schaefer, and we'll try to talk a little bit more about uh, the nature of evidence. So stick around. abducted by aliens and they kept repeating to me over and over again simultv.com simultv.com what's simultv.com that's what i asked them they had it written on the side of their ufo how do you spell that ufo no i mean simultv.com s-i-m-u-l-t-v.com s-i-m-u-l-t-v.com right S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Interesting that you were abducted by aliens in a Simultv.com UFO last night. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Now that you mention it, I remember now last night I was awakened from a deep sleep. My great-grandmother was standing there. She said she'd come from the hereafter to tell me about Simultv.com. She even spelled it out for me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. Wow. Yeah. Guys, you'll never guess what my psychic guru just told me. SIMULTV.com. Exactly. Are you guys psychic too? Of course. We all know about Simultv.com. SIMULTV.com. In the mid-1990s, I was approached by a young woman who believed she'd been abducted by alien creatures. In conversations, I began a journey that took me not into the world of interstellar travel, but back through time into past lives. Under hypnotic regression administered by a professional rather than describing abduction, Jenny, as she is called, begins to tell a tale of horror in 19th century London. Her unbelievable past life seems to connect with Jack the Ripper and other monsters of the past. Throughout the session, Jenny provides a rich detail of her past life lives that links some of the most horrific killers in history to one another. Using the resources of a university library in the pre-internet's day, I was able to verify some of Jenny's claims. She has knowledge that wasn't readily available to a suburban housewife. Does this prove the reality of her tales? Conversations attempts to answer that and other provocative questions. Conversations is available at Amazon.com. Mission Evolution is dedicated to the well-being of the planet and animals, as well as the evolution of humankind. One major factor threatening all three is increasing toxicity. Heavy metals and other environmental toxins are poisoning our bodies, deteriorating our brains, blocking our spiritual connection, and shortening our lives. Yet these poisons are extremely difficult to remove. 
I'm Gwilda Wiecka, and I recently became aware of a product created from the marriage of nature and nanotechnology called Vitality. It's formulated from zoolite, whose crystalline structure binds toxins, gently carrying them out of the body. The light is only as clear as the window through which it shines. Clear your body, shine your light into the world. Visit VitalityHappens.com for a 20% discount. Enter code PATHHOME. on a different perspective we're talking the nature of evidence um and uh we were talking about the phoenix lights and between you and me and nobody else because nobody's listening i shouldn't say that's probably a bad thing to say on a radio show um i've never been overly impressed with that case and and don't think it really is as important as some people said are there some ufo cases that really give you pause that that um the explanation may not be as solid as you'd like, but there is there's uh, something to it that you find fascinating. Isn't that essentially the same question you asked before? That was there some you know that I thought I, I was trying. I was trying, to, I was trying to nuance it a bit. Yeah. To give you give you a chance to to talk about any cases that you you kind of like, but um, there's you you have what you think is an explanation for. Is there anything that's really impressed you about the UFO investigations or an investigation at all? Well, again, I have to say no because uh, we mentioned I think in passing some of the major cases, uh, the Lavelland and the Phoenix Lights, and I'm sure and the Tic Tac and the Gimbal and. These are all the major cases, the, the, at least the ones that we find being, you know, touted now. And I just, I think we've specifically for each one, there's reasons to be not so completely impressed by it. And I told you what would have, what yes. would be very impressive, the multiple independent reports and multiple independent photos and videos. That would be very impressive, but we don't have those. Well, it, it just seems to me, and I, I'm, I'm probably hitting the same nail, that um, the skeptics aren't quite as skeptical for the explanations as they are for um, the, the cases. I mean, uh, they kind of uh, accept uh, explanation that may not be as solidly um, defined as it, it could be to explain some of the cases. Again, the child's witted, it's a meteor. We know that. Um, but is there somewhere the, the, the evidence, you've got a suggestion of a possible explanation, but it's not as solid as it could be? Do you question any of the explanations? Uh, well, I have questioned explanations, yes. Uh, but I remember there was one guy who wrote, and uh, I think it may have been published in the Skeptical Inquirer about how uh, supposedly the, uh, uh, what was it, that uh, oh, our... Um, uh, Sequoia was a, a mirage, an atmospheric mirage of the star Canopus in the daytime. I mean, you know, that's that's as crazy as uh, what um, Annie Jacobson said about uh, the Roswell crash. No, it's um, well. Since you mentioned, since you mentioned, there are wrong explanations. Well, since you mentioned Sequoia, let me ask you this: Do you do you do you buy the um, uh, the uh, student hoax explanation for it actually uh, you i'm going to probably agree with you on this i have read what regalia says about, uh, has written about the student hoax i've looked at every source that i could find about this subject pro and con and while i 
I think that the idea of a student hoax could be plausible, but in this case, I simply don't see how it could be done. It require these guys to go down there in their suits and set up balloons and things like that, and then somehow disappear almost immediately within a minute or two. It's just, I just don't see any way that that particular thing could have been uh, a hoax, that it, could, that it could have actually been pulled off. Well, then we kind of we kind of agree on that one. Yes, uh, yes. And, I, I, yeah, and also, let me tell you, even my own, one, uh, an instance of my own, uh, remember the Jimmy Carter UFO, so much publicity. Nobody wanted to investigate it because, hey, if you investigate it, you might answer it, and then we won't have this wonderful case. Uh, and I said it was Venus. And there, it's absolutely the case that he and the other people were looking directly at the position where Venus was. However, what we didn't know, what I didn't know, and what has come up only relatively recently, is that there was a launch from Eglin Air Force Base of one of these barium rockets that they sent up into, you know, space or lower, you know, the, uh, the extreme upper atmosphere. And they put out these clouds of barium gas and other gas that turns colors and then they they track it and this tells them something about the atmosphere. And uh, we didn't know that was the case. In fact, we didn't even know the date because Carter misremembered the date and nobody else had the date, but I was able fortunately to contact the Alliance Club National Office. They had a record at least of the date that he went there and gave the talk, which was what, January 6th of uh, 69, I think. And, and then somebody else, took that date and looked at the launch schedule from Eglin Air Force Base and looked at that. Just a few minutes before these guys went into their meeting, we launched a rocket and it sent this thing up there. So what probably happened was that, you know, they saw this barium launch, of course, but from their perspective, the, th the, the launch was right next to Venus in the sky. So they would see the both of these. So, yeah, I mean, in a sense, that was a wrong explanation. But it was because it was something we didn't know that was even a better explanation that came along. And well, that's kind of what, if you look if you look up Jimmy Carter on there. Well, that's that's kind of kind of what I'm looking for here was that the the skeptical explanation isn't necessarily always acceptable or accepted. And I think again of Hector Quintanella, who investigated the the Socorro landing and came away saying, "Well, I don't know what it was. I'm going to have to label it unknown." But he also said in, in his book, and I don't know if you happened to see his book, he said at the end of his book, he was sure that the explanation resided somewhere in Lonnie Zamora's head, meaning Zamora had seen something. <laughs> well, he'd seen something or heard something or knew something that hadn't been communicated properly that would have provided an explanation. But Quintanella couldn't find any experiments or secret projects going on at Alamogordo or White Sands that would account for what happened in, uh, in Socorro. Right. And I thought... And I thought that was quite candid of of uh, Quintanella to say that 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 I, I can't I can't solve it. And I'm not going to just slap an explanation on it to slap an explanation on it. Although he did that in a number of other cases. <laughs> well, yes, uh, yeah, because I recall that you uh, when we talked about this before, we're wondering whether it was all in Zamora's head, and uh, I really don't know what to say. <laughs> But, but wouldn't that be a puzzling, that, that, isn't that the puzzling case I've been kind of casting about for, that you don't have a good solid explanation for it? Well, I, I guess you could say that, but it doesn't mean that I think that the, you know, there was anything really strange going on. I think it just means that 
we have been given a very confused story and uh, confusing story and very little, you know, in the way of solid evidence, although those holes in the ground and so on, you know, did the hoaxers dig those or was Zamora himself a hoaxer? Was somebody trying to fool him or was he trying to fool somebody else? Well, okay, I grant you that's puzzling. But, it, you know, it doesn't suggest any phenomenon, I don't think. All, but but this was all I've been spending the last hour searching oh. for. <laughs> okay, well then. It's a case, yeah. it's a case a case where there's no solid terrestrial explanation at the moment, which doesn't mean there isn't one somewhere hiding somewhere, but it doesn't lead us directly to the extraterrestrial, if you, unless you begin to accept the idea of the, uh, the beings and the way it lifted off and all that other stuff, which, yeah. by the way, is outlined in my book, Encounter in the Desert, which I have to plug because that's what I do. Of course. But it seems we're kind of on the same page here for the, for the Socorro landing. Uh, very likely could be. Because there is no solid, at the moment, no solid terrestrial explanation for it. Right. Unless unless you throw in psychological and or, um, you know, interpersonal somebody hoaxing somebody or, uh, or Zamora hoaxing us. Somebody There's hoaxing. really no evidence that Zamora would have been capable of hoaxing this thing in that in that fashion. And... The other explanations simply do not work at this point in time. And I think that's and that's kind of, I guess, the problem with the whole UFO field. We, we can get to some of these cases where there's agreement between you and me, for example, who tilt, I tilt toward the extraterrestrial, you obviously do not, agreeing that there's, this is a case that I guess is the definition of unidentified. Well, I guess. <laughs> I don't mean to browbeat you into an yeah. acceptance. No, it's uh, it's an interesting. The, a lot of these are very interesting human stories. The Betty and Barney Hill. I mean, you know, entire reams have been written on this. Entire forests have been felled to print up books about Betty and Barney Hill. And uh, yet, I mean, obviously, it's it's largely the explanation is largely in the realm of psychology. Well, we can't we can't really go into Barney and Betty Hill because we're out of time. Right. <laughs> and, and, and that's unfortunate because I think it would be an interesting thing to explore. And, and I'll have you back to explore Barney and Betty Hill and the abduction phenomenon. Uh, Robert, thank you so much for appearing on the program. Your uh, website is www.badufos.com. I've been there. I visited. It's a good website to take a look at it. Get you a different perspective on the UFO phenomenon. And I read yours, too. And I, I find a lot of worthwhile you know, just interviewing people and, and pointing out things and, and analyzing things. It's very, very useful material there. Well, thank you very much. Um, next week, I'm going to be visiting with uh, Don Schmidt. Somebody had written in, or I got a couple of inquiries to look at the work that Len Stringfield did on, done, and I should discuss it with somebody with a knowledge of Len Stringfield. The person I could think of best would be... Um, Don Schmidt. So we'll be talking about Len Stringfield and his work in crash retrievals and that sort of thing. The book is uh, the best of Project Blue Book. I don't know why I can't remember the name of my book. It's available at Amazon.com. If you like the book, please, please write a review because it lets people know that the book is out there and that uh, you've enjoyed it. You have been listening to A Different Perspective on the Exxon Broadcast Network. And keep listening to... Uh, xzbn.net 
Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you in about 167 hours.